Welcome to the Six Figure Roadmap, brought to you by LVRG.it. Leverage it, saving you money on the tools, software, and courses you use to grow your business every single day. Now, here's your host, Cam Martinez. Welcome back to another week of the Six Figure Roadmap, guys. I'm here with John D. Saunders. We are going to be talking about something I'm super excited about, how to develop a profitable side hustle. For those of you guys who've been listening to this podcast for a while, you probably know that both my business partner and I operate the company that's associated with this podcast alongside having full-time positions uh, with other companies. So I'm pumped for John to kind of break down his philosophy on how you can do that. Cause I know a lot of you listening are interested in creating that for yourself, whether it's for a separate stream of income or just to experiment with new things. But John, I, I, I'm welcoming you to the show. So excited to, to dive deep on this stuff. Cam, what is going on, man? Thank you for having me on the show, man. I'm stoked. Happy to be here. I'm excited to provide value to you and your community and whatever I can do to help, man, let me know. Let's fire this thing up and let's go. Let's do it, man. So we were talking beforehand and you were saying that you have, you know, built and, and sold a couple of companies. Talk to me about the process behind that. Absolutely, man. Most definitely. So uh, just, just to kind of give you a little bit of background, I own a, a marketing agency called 54digital.com. So I did have kind of a one-up in creating these e-commerce stores. And so um, again, I sold these businesses. Now they weren't huge, right? They were five figure exits, nothing crazy. <laughs> so I don't want people to think I sold like the last like crazy big e-com business, but I just want folks to understand that it's possible to do this while working full time or while working another business. Um, biggest thing is kind of finding that market fit or the gap in the market that can really help you fit in there. And so uh, with e-commerce, what I did was I looked at the market in regards to Google Trends and a few searches online to see what was missing. I had found uh, these travel bags, right? off um, Overseas, there were these waterproof travel bags that were becoming really popular that hadn't really taken off here in the States. And so with that said, I was like, okay, I can start a travel brand geared at millennials and repackage these travel bags and sell them. So I reached out, of course, Alibaba, AliExpress. I'm getting samples. I'm doing all the back-end work to make this happen while running my agency. Now, the great thing about having an agency and having it be remote, I was leveraging my team to do this. So virtual assistants were going out there doing the research. They were doing the outreach to find out more information about these products. And then we were able to add those products, get them shipped from China, which took about three weeks. The entire process probably took about two and a half months to really get the product to where we wanted it to, to be. They shipped the product here and then we started, they started flying off the shelves and we did a, a makeshift shoot, right? We literally, I took my sister to the beach. I took some photos with my camera. I put them on, I created Facebook ads and I targeted uh, millennials here in the States and it, and it sold really, really well. And so as that business scaled, um, maybe about a year and a half into it, I was, I was excited about it in the beginning but it started to lose a little bit of its luster in regards to me being excited about the product and the business. And I felt that if I sold it, someone else could take this and really run with it. So I ended up selling the business and then I was like, wow, this was really cool. I took an idea, I made it tangible. And then I sold that business. Uh, just a side note, I sold it on Flippa. There's other platforms now. Shopify has an exchange as well. So you don't even necessarily have to start an e-commerce business from scratch. You can find a business for $300, $1,000, $10,000, invest in that, 
take it over and run that business, increase it and then sell it again. And so when I sold that one, I was like, well, damn, I can do this again. And so we built another business, which was called uh, Survival Nomads. That one was for like camping. It was a completely dro- a complete drop shipping store. And this was maybe like two years ago when it was really hot to drop ship. Um, and then that business grew a bit, sold that. And then the last one I did was really just a shell, right? So we created the business, created the fulfillment, and then sold the business without making any sales. But we sold the branding, the packaging, everything ready to go for that next business venture. And so I've taken a little hiatus on creating e-commerce stores just because I'm focused on building 5.4 and uh, my other side, hustleblackwallet.org. But I think this year, I definitely want to get back into um, the e-commerce space. That's amazing, man. So, so talk to me about the logistics behind that. Like, what are some things that, you know, pe- the people listening should be expecting or be preparing for when, you know, either growing their side hustle, maybe they want to get in the e-commerce space, maybe they want to um, take your advice and, and purchase an, an already established store. What comes after that to, to make something like that a success? So there's a, fr- uh, there's a few ways to approach it. With the first store, we had a combination of a few things, right? So we had physical products, which I was literally fulfilling myself, which we bought in bulk from China. And so the bags from China cost about $2, and then we were reselling them for about 25 So the margins were, were pretty good. Um, but then we also had print-on-demand products. And the way print-on-demand works is you essentially partner with a manufacturing facility that's local, most likely in the U.S., They have a ton of different products like T-shirts, mugs, all these different cool products that you can integrate with. And then you can add your logo, your your taglines, and then you can sell those products. And then so when you sell them on your store, for example, Shopify, which is a CMS platform, if you sell them on your CMS platform, it's linked through to a third-party software, that manufacturer. um, And then what happens is when someone goes in and purchases that product, let's say it's $30, Once that process goes through, that app goes in and fulfills that order, sends it directly to the customer and charges you the cost. So you only pay money when someone purchases that product. Um, So so with that being said, you can have a combination of multiple products. You can have physical products. You can have print-on-demand products. And then you can also dropship. I mean, I'm not a big fan of dropshipping anymore just because the dates are a little bit skewed. Sometimes it can take three weeks, four weeks with an e-packet to arrive. But ultimately, you can really mix and match and do really well, especially if you have if you don't have a lot of capital up front. You can come up with a really cool tagline, put it on a nice quality shirt and sell those like wildfire. Love it. Love it. Love it. So we were talking beforehand and you were saying, um, you know, standard operating procedures is a big part of making a side hustle successful. And, you know, I can attest to the fact that that really does matter, especially when, you know, for, for a lot of people who don't have the time to put in their full effort into building a company, that becomes a major asset for them. Talk to me about your philosophy around SOPs and how people can use them to their advantage. Oh, definitely, man. So, so SOPs or standard operating procedures are essentially step-by-step procedures, trainings that you can provide to your clientele to fulfill specific tasks. And so this all started for me when I, when I launched my marketing agency, uh, five and a half years ago. Um, when I started the agency, we were doing web design, SEO, SEM, Facebook ads. We were doing everything, right? And it was just me. So I'm doing all these different things. My head's out of control. I'm working 18 hours a day. Man, I was like, dude, this, this, is, this is insane. 
And so um, I had watched a video by another uh, marketer. His name is Ryan Stewart, a great friend of mine as well. And he had talked about standard operating procedures and creating procedures in your business to delegate tasks. And so at this point, you know, I didn't have a ton of capital. I wasn't making a ton of money, right? I had a little bit that I could that I could use to maybe hire a virtual assistant or someone to help me out. Um, and just so a lot of folks know, if you're bootstrapping, if you don't have a lot of capital or money to work with, you can't hire someone full time, right? You can't afford to pay someone 40, 60, 70 grand. You're trying to make that yourself, right? <laughs> so um, the, the, the first thing that I would recommend is really think about the different things throughout the day in your work life that just take a, a, a massive amount of time. For example, if you have to go out and get email addresses, or if you have to post to social media, or if you need to create a, a social media calendar, there are ways to really expedite this process. And so the first thing that I recommend to anyone, do not hire anyone. Don't hire one person until you have your processes in place. And so what I mean by that is, let's take an example of doing outreach, right? Let's say you're a web developer and you want to go out and you want to get more web development clients. And so you're emailing all these small medium businesses and it's taking three or four hours out of your day. Now you can't focus on big picture, right? You can't focus on, okay, what do we want this brand to look like? What do we want it to exude? So what you do is you write down every step of that process. So if you're doing outreach, you're going to say, okay, I'm going to create a Google sheet. The information that I want to be able to capture is the first name, last name, email address, and you know their, the location of their business, right? And then you write down the criteria. I'm looking for local restaurant orders, uh, um, owners in a 30-mile radius, right? And then what you do is you record yourself going through that process. So you do a screen cap. You can use Loom. There's Camtasia. There's, um, there's screen, um, Screencastify. There's so many uh, platforms, and most of those are free. Loom is completely free. Um, and you can do a screen cap of yourself. So then you go into your spreadsheet and you actually record yourself going in and collecting this information. Now you have your first SOP, right? You have your first standard operating procedure that you can offload to someone else. Now, the next step you're going to do is go into a, a platform like Upwork or onlinejobs.ph and find a virtual assistant. A lot of people don't realize this, but you can find a virtual assistant for about $4 an hour. <laughs> it's ridiculous, man. And it's not because these people are living in squalor conditions. It's because the cost of living is just a lot less offshore in other areas around the world. And so now that you have a virtual assistant, you can tell them, hey, here's the standard operating procedure I want you to follow. You send them the step-by-step -step directions. You send them the video of you actually performing those tasks. And now they can go in and they can perform those tasks on your behalf. So not only have you saved three hours a day, you're spending about $12 for this person to go and do all this massive work for you. And then you can go ahead and call those people up or set them up in your CRM or however. But I'm telling you, it's addicting, man, because once you start setting up SOPs and you start to see your business flow and how it's, and how it's functioning, now you can work a nine to five. You can do other things while your VA or your virtual assistant is going in and getting all these tasks done. And then as you scale and grow your business, you can hire a developer, you can hire a project manager, you can hire locally, right? And now you can really scale your efforts. Yeah, I love that, man. SOPs, oh, game changer for sure. And dude, it's amazing. Like so many large companies that I've seen not have this in place, it just blows my mind how they have so much success without it. <laughs> Oh, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. And that's, that's one of, that was one of the defining factors of, that helped me sell the e-commerce businesses because everything was automated from emails to outreach 
to going in and fulfilling orders to customer service, all that was automated. So someone coming in is looking at the business like, okay, this is an easy buy for me. I can buy this and it can still run itself. And I don't necessarily have to be in the business. One thing I would recommend anyone that's looking to start SOPs and build these processes for their business is read Michael E. Gerber's book called The E-Myth. He breaks down how these procedures work, how the process works, and how you can really pull yourself out of that day-to-day to, um, you know, not work in the business, but on the business as a whole. Yeah, great book. Great book. Another one I'd recommend is Work the System. Another, exactly. Another great book. What, what are some other things that people should be thinking about or preparing for to help them grow and scale their side hustle to six figures plus? One of the biggest things I think people need to focus on is building a community. That should be probably one of the first priorities, even before your, your, your side hustle becomes profitable. Because you have a full-time job, you, you, can, you can afford to make a couple of mistakes and scale your efforts to build a community. And that's, that's the biggest recommendation I have because once you have a community, you can sell them a quality product and they'll, they'll, it'll go crazy. So one case in point is um, one of my side hustles. <laughs> it's called, <clears throat> sorry, take a sip of water. It's called yeah, blackwallet.org and it's a financial literacy blog for urban millennials, right? And so I started this about two years ago. Um, my main job, my, my main I'd say my idea was to provide financial literacy to the urban community um, in the form of just stuff that, that, that was relatable, easy to read, easy to access, and, and be able to, to build an audience around that, right? And so what I did was I started posting on Instagram. We built a Facebook page. We built a Facebook group. And those were the three core factors that we focused on. And we just pumped out content. We talked about, we asked, one, we built the Facebook group. And that was probably the biggest thing because we used them almost like um, as a test group. So any ideas for blogs we have, we posted in there. We posted questions like, hey, what do you want to learn? Do you want to learn IRAs? Do you want to learn 401ks? Do you want to learn how to start your own side hustle? Like we asked the community. And so as that grew and developed, um, fast forward to today, we have a quarter of a million followers on Instagram. We have 2,500 members in the group. Um, We have uh, 15,000 email addresses. And so uh, about nine months ago, we came out with a book. The book is $15 on Amazon. As soon as it came out, it hit the number one new release on Amazon in the financial wealth category. Uh, we've, we've been on to sell five figures from a $15 book just because we had built the community and spe- spent maybe, I'd say, $1,500 in advertising on that completely because we've already, we already built the community up front and we provided them with a niche product that was specific to them, that was catered to them, that they just ate up and ran with. It it really talks volumes when you leverage the community because they feel like they're a part of the process. And so when we were building out the product, dude, I vetted every single piece through the Facebook group. I said, okay, what do you guys think of these covers? We had six different covers. Okay, what do you think of these titles? We let people vote on the title. Okay, this is the chapter breakdown. This is what we want to write the book about. What do you think about this chapter breakdown? Oh, well, John, you're missing this. Oh, you guys might need this. Okay, what about this? Oh, that looks great. Okay, now we start writing it. And then what happens is these people are conditioned to the point where they're like, I was a part of the process. I helped make this book. So therefore, I got to go buy this book, represent, get value from it, and tell everyone about it. And so it just really went viral, man. And it was a great, great opportunity and just speaks volumes to Anything you want to build, anything you want to create, you need to start with building a community around that product that you can then sell to. Oh, 
I think I love that the most out of everything you've said. The community aspect. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a, ah, oh, it's so true. Like community is so powerful. If you have people backing your product, backing your company, backing your idea, you can't fail. 100%, man. 100%. It's amazing. And nowadays it's so easy. I mean, I'm not going to say easy. Now it's a lot easier than it was before to build a community. Yeah, 100%. I mean, with Facebook groups, Instagram is a community in itself. Your email list is probably the most powerful thing that you have. Would you would you say your email list is is where you make most of your sales? Oh, it's huge, man. I, I, not most of our sales currently. I'd say maybe uh, 24, 25%, but it's, it's crucial, man, because we can create a lookalike audience with Facebook ads. We can leverage the current email list to, to get more uh, people added on. Anytime we have a new product, anytime the new drop happens, we can hit the email address and get instant sales. So it's, it's important, man. And, and I think every business needs to focus on that because you never want your business tied to a social media platform, you know, because then Instagram changes the algorithm. Facebook does something. With emails, you're always going to have those email addresses and you'll always be able to access them. Now, will it drop into the inbox or the promotions tab? You know, that you have to figure out. You have to make sure you're putting out quality content. But overall, you control, not control, but you have that audience you're able to see and leverage them at any time. Love it. Love it. Yeah, community is huge, man. What other advice would you give to the people listening to hit that benchmark? I'd say, of course, like I said, with the SOP, start building out your SOPs now. Even if you're just one person, I'm going to... I guarantee you will help you in the long run. Um, and put your mind in the, in the, in the position of you're building this business to ultimately scale it to a certain point that you want to sell it. Right. And then start your next venture and your next venture and your next venture. And so I think the best way to do that is to, to play the long game. You know, I think that social media has conditioned us to want instant gratification And I think that sometimes people need to realize that you need to take your time with the business, grow it and scale it up. And it might not necessarily take off overnight, but you might have a year and a half in where that switch just hits. And then you just, you're you're just sailing and you're you're skyrocketing. So um, yeah, that's probably one of my pieces of advice is, is don't give up, but then also know if your product isn't a good fit, by asking and talking to your customers, making sure you, you're, you're communicating with your the community that buys your product, that purchases your product, because they are ultimately the, the brand ambassadors. Yes. Love it, man. Love it. I want to ask you a few questions to get to know you a little bit better and allow other people to get to know you a little bit better. Of course. What are some things you like to spend your time and money on outside of you know, growing side hustles? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, great question, man. One, I'm, I'm an avid book reader. I love books, man. I buy more books than I can read. Uh, <laughs> so I'm, I'm an, and it's a mixture, right? It's fiction. It's nonfiction. Um, I just love to learn and absorb new things and, and, and look at life from different perspectives. Uh, another thing is I have a wife and son. So I'm a big advocate of spending time with them, traveling with them. And, and uh, I'm a big movie and gamer, right? I used to be a heavy, heavy gamer, man. But as you know... <laughs> With time, man, it gets it gets harder. But um, I'd say I probably spend the most time and money on 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 family and 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 really just learning and, and self improvement. Love it. What what kind of games did you used to play? Oh man, Street Fighter. I'm a beast. I <laughs> play a lot of RPGs, man. I'm pretty much a nerd. I used to watch a lot of anime. Um, nice dude. The game that I'm playing right now is. Let me see. I'm in the I'm in the movie room now. It's Horizon Zero Dawn. So that's been pretty fun. 
Nice. But I, uh, I, I like now it's like I pay one game, and it's like it takes me like almost a year to beat it. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but it's it's been good, man. It's been good. It's a nice way to decompress. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm also a huge game nerd. <laughs> nice. Love it, love it. And that's a perfect segue. I mean, I like to play Call of Duty. Nice. I'm a huge Fallout. The Fallout franchise is probably one of my favorite franchises. Got it. Nice. Uh, yeah. I mean, the Star Wars, the new Star Wars game that just came out, Pokemon. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. I played Pokemon Go for a while, man. Yeah. It's amazing. What, what what would you say has been the most impactful book you've read out of your, your collection? <sighs> That's a hard one, man. That is a hard one. I'd say last year was probably um, Essentialism for me. That was a, um, a really eye-opening book. Another one of my favorites is uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People, especially because um, that's Dale Carnegie, um, especially because I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much an introvert. So it taught me to really stop, listen to people, you know, exude confidence, use people's names at least three times in the conversation. Like it teaches you things that are just like things that seem like they would be um, a no-brainer, but sometimes as an introvert would helps you kind of put yourself out there more. Um, and then the third one for our work week would probably be one. I know everybody says that, <laughs> but it's definitely one of my, one of my favorites. Tim Ferriss is a good dude. I have never read or heard of essentialism. I'm going to check that out for sure. Oh yeah, man. Definitely, definitely check it out. Amazing read. Amazing cool, read. Cool. Outside of books, like where, where do you like to learn? Where do you get your information? Do you have a mentor? What do you study? Uh, yeah, man, I have, I have a couple. I, I love to learn from, from other marketers and other designers. Now that we've, we've moved more into design development, there are some UI UX guys that I really, really like. Rand Siegel, he's developer and designer, mostly does work in Webflow. There's my buddy, David Martin. He's a UI UX genius. Who else? There's so many men. Uh, Ryan Stewart, he's the one that, that, that taught me SOPs and, and how to frame your business in, in a way that's scalable. I'd say those guys are probably some of my favorites. There's so many men. Ezra Firestone, you know, I've taken, I've, I purchased a few of his courses. Ah, oh, man, who else? Who else? Jesus, so many men. I, I spent a lot of money on courses and I try to really finish and, and, and take them and execute them because it, it, that's learning for me, right? That's, that's almost like, I feel like once you stop learning, you stop growing. And in this space, you always have to be ahead of the curve. Yeah, hundred percent, man. I just love the fact that you're always learning. There's, you know, I always say like, be beware of people who stop learning or don't yeah, man, have a continuous crazy. mentor. Exactly. Exactly. That's cool. I'm always curious to like with entrepreneurs who've had success such as yourself, like how you maintain, because in the world of entrepreneurship, it's, you know, a constant roller coaster at times. How do you maintain your, you know, health, your spirituality? What practices do you put in place? What non-negotiable habits do you have? Great question, man. Great question. Uh, a few things. So one is Monday through Friday, I wake up at 5 a.m. Um, I'm not a morning person. I've only been doing this probably three and a half months. I used to get up around 6.30, but now waking up at 5 a.m. Is, is a game changer, man. I have a morning checklist where as soon as I get up, I drink eight ounces of water. I, um, I go downstairs. I work out. I do, the, um, I do some cardio. I do some core. I do upper body and then I'll do um, the Peloton bike, which has completely changed like my whole perspective on fitness, man. I love it. It's, it's an amazing platform. Um, so that's like, that's the one thing I like to do, get it done with in the morning, because if I wait until afternoon or, um, you know, once my son is home and my wife is home, it's, it's not going to happen. And so be, waking up that hour and a half 
earlier in the morning gives me that entire um, span to get all that done. So by 6.30 a.m. when my son's waking up, I've already done all that. So that's been a huge game changer for me. What helped me change that was reading Miracle Morning by Hel- Hal um, Elrod. Really, really great book. Um, you guys should check it out as well. Another thing is controlling my calendar, man. Really blocking out time where I, I don't take any client calls. You know, there's certain days of the week where I don't take any client calls. I only take calls on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at certain times. And I use Calendly, which is a free app, to block out those times specific to when I'm available. And then I don't take any client calls usually after 4 p.m. unless it's a dope, dope podcast like this one. (laughs) Um, And there's other opportunities like speaking engagements that I'll take. But ultimately, I try to keep my calendar pretty controlled because that's one of the things they talk about in essentialism. Like you need to be able to say no. You need to be able to have that control. Um, Segwaying into the last piece, man, keeping sanity, keeping health, keeping spirituality is just making sure that I'm connecting with my family continuously, you know, talk to my mom, talk to my wife, talk to my son, ask them questions, making sure I'm active in their life and, and putting the phone outside of my realm when they're around. I do I only have notifications on about four apps on my phone. Everything else is off Instagram, WhatsApp, everything. I only keep a couple app notifications on because it's a distraction. And so by doing that, it helps me take back that time as well. Because as you know, man, you might get a notification on Instagram, you go in, then you look up and it's like 45 minutes later, you're like, what, what the hell happened? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, oh, there's something else I wanted to say. Oh, um, last thing is the power of saying no, man. You know, at, at one point in my life, I was a yes man. I was taking on every project. I was doing everything. I was doing this. I was doing that. And ultimately, when you're a yes man, you just, you're just saying yes to everything. And you're saying no to yourself because you're not having any time for you to decompress, any time for you to take a breath and just breathe. And think and have some 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 time where you can just open up your mind and have some free uh, free time for, for whatever you want. And so I think there's a lot of power in saying no. And it's no period. Right. It's not no comma X, Y, Z or no. It's just you just have to say no sometimes. I think it, I think it really helps take back your time. I know that was a mouthful. I was a little bit sporadic, but. Uh, <laughs> no, it's good, man. I appreciate you sharing and I appreciate you saying yes to this. Like. Wisdom. Oh, absolutely, man. My biggest thing is like you talked about like how how do I keep the business steady and consistent? Honestly, man, it's it's really being completely transparent with folks and, and just trying to provide value without necessarily looking for anything in return. Because I think that by telling other entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs or nine to fivers that all this is possible. Even with a job, you know, it's, a lot of times what happens is your side hustle becomes so big that you have to leave your job because your side hustle becomes your main hustle. Right. And I, so I think if I can empower someone or give them some tips on helping them make that transition, one, I'm helping someone that reach and fulfill their full potential. And then two, and this is something that you don't really think about, you're almost becoming a thought leader in the space. So they're telling other people about you. They're, they're, they're telling their audience about you and they might have someone in their network that might need your services or might need to talk to you or might want to consult. So it's, it's almost like creating this, this large like referral network without necessarily doing it for that value, but doing it just out of the kindness of your heart to help others. And it's coming back to you in the form of referrals and, and, and creating a, a book of business. Amazing, amazing insight, amazing wisdom, my man. Thank you so much for, sh- for sharing today. As a, you know, return back to you, I want to give you a chance to tell people where to find you, how they can get involved with your, 
creations and join your community and become a part of your world. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So first thing I would do is, is follow me on Instagram. It's uh, John D and that's D as in dog Saunders. So Instagram.com forward slash John D Saunders. I post marketing tips there daily. So you'll see probably 60 plus marketing tips that you can execute now today without money at all. <laughs> and then if you want to check out my courses, my freebies, any content that I have, you can go to John D Saunders.co. And uh, all my recent contents on there. Amazing, guys. I will link directly to that in the show notes and on the episode itself. Go and check it out. Go join his community. Check out his Instagram. See what he's got going on. Learn from him and implement some things you learned from this episode today. John, again, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for your wisdom. I appreciate you being on here, man. No problem, brother. Happy to. All right, guys. Until next week, have a great one. Cheers. You've been listening to the Six Figure Roadmap. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe and leave a review. To learn more about our membership, visit us online at www.lvrg.it.